The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is June 13th. We are talking about the Green Bay Packers and why they will not get any love in the national media, and that is perfectly okay. We're also going to talk about the NBA Finals being over. Denver are your champions. Why I don't exactly see a dynasty, the potential of a Giannis-Jokic rivalry, and much, much more there. We will also talk about how you cannot escape Aaron Rodgers. I realize I promised a Brewers preview, so maybe we'll do that at the tail end if there is time. And that will be today's show. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Make sure you're following along on as many platforms as you can. We would really appreciate it. All right, let's get into the program and talk about why the Green Bay Packers will get no love. So Kyle Cowherd on his show Friday said that the Green Bay Packers will be lucky to win six games, and that Green Bay is going to head to a relevant irrelevancy like the 1980s. He also said that he's never usually out on a team in June, but Colin Coward has declared that he is out on the Packers. Now, I'm not using just Colin Cowherd as a vehicle for this topic, but I think it's warranting a discussion that this is going to be a new era of hot takes for us as, fa- as Packer fans. Because it is no longer that, oh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, one more ride. How many times have the Packers been picked to the Super Bowl? I think I've said it on this podcast or in others that I'm not going to be taking the Packers likely to the Super Bowl. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they could potentially win a game in the division. But I'm resetting expectations. So if I'm resetting expectations as a fan, you have to imagine that the national media pundits and the hot take artists like Cowherd are going to come out firing against the Green Bay Packers. And Cowherd saying something that ridiculous in a bad NFC North is not really surprising, right? The guy has been an anti-Aaron Rodgers guy for a long time. He declared Jordan Love a bust last year, despite Love barely playing in the NFL. So obviously Cowherd's on a corner. Why he's against the Green Bay Packers, I don't know. Probably because he gets reactions like this. He's not a Vikings fan like Mike Florio. Shout out to him. But it's obvious that there is some sort of grudge there. And I, I know what these guys all say. They're like, we don't hate these guys. We don't. We, we have no ill will. There's no malice. There's something there with Cowherd. I, I don't know what it is. He probably is not one to do interviews with someone who's, I, I wouldn't say shit down his throat, but that might be a little intense, but I've definitely been an anti-Cowherd guy. I don't think he would step in the ring with me. Now, Grant, he would dominate the conversation. I think Colin Coward has built a, he's built a media empire, honestly. So like, I have a ton of respect for Colin Coward. Don't get me wrong here. I just don't find his takes on the Packers that illuminating. Um, I don't go and call him cow turd or some bullshit like that, but I, I'm just saying he's, you know, he, he obviously is on that Packer hater corner along with Mike Florio and I'm sure others. So back to the overall overarching thing, it, it's going to be different and it's, and it's okay. It's not, not that big of a deal. We can be mad about it. We can be annoyed by it and we can use it as fuel. We can bookmark tweets. We can make sure that we have all the ammo when Green Bay goes in six and two and all of a sudden people are dealing out hot takes that Jordan loves a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Because I guarantee you, if I if I could bet this at the Tappy the Keg Casino, I certainly would, that when 
if I should say when I almost said what that was that's a little tense. If Jordan Love starts out like let's just say the Packers are five and two and the Jets are three and three in that time or three and four whatever. I who knows how buys works, but work with me here. Everyone's gonna say Jordan Love better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. The Packers make the right decision. Like it's going to be a comparison all year long. And if the Packers actually start off stronger than the New York Jets, there's going to be more positive things said about Love and the Packers. So that will be very interesting. That will be very, you know, the tables will turn. Now, if the Packers fall apart and the Jets are way up, and the Jets have started hot, when they have a brutal schedule to start the season, we'll talk about that when we talk about Rodgers later, you're going to hear all these pundits say, well, Packers made a mistake. They should have just dealt with Rodgers. They should have figured out a way to build a better relationship. But I do truly, truly think that the attention on Green Bay is going to wane a little bit. Coward saying that they're into irrelevance is, I don't, I don't want to say accurate, right? Green Bay is still a major player. Green Bay has primetime games. Green Bay is not just playing noon games from start to finish. They're not the fucking Texans. They're not the Carolina Panthers. They are a public team that a lot of people fucking care about. A lot of people want to watch them, whether it's on, you know, Fox at 325, NBC at 720, or 715 on ESPN, or Prime Video for that matter. People want to watch the Green Bay Packers, point blank. And because of that, I think that they deserve a little more respect. They're not going to fade to irrelevancy unless they have multiple years of losing seasons. Green Bay is going to still be in the forefront, in the zeitgeist, because they also play in a bad division. Detroit's going to be handed that division in July. Everyone's going to talk about how Detroit is going to run away with that division. There will be people that will pick Detroit to win the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl. I guarantee you that. But the fact, of, the fact remains, Detroit has never had the target on the back. Detroit was the chasey. Now they are the chaser, or they're getting chased. I think I screwed that up, but that's okay. It, Detroit's, it, this is going to be difficult for Detroit. Chicago is supposed to take a leap, but they are, to me, the Bruno Cabello of the NBA. They're a year away from being a year away. I think if Chicago wins six games, it's actually a success. But I think delusional Bears fans have talked themselves into making the fucking playoffs this year. The Minnesota Vikings might be sneakily tanking this year, which we talked about at the bar on Saturday. There's no bigger nightmare than the Vikings actually tanking, trading Kirk Cousins before the season starts, and maybe getting into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, or Drake May for that matter. That's terrifying. That is, to me, like one of those things that keeps you up at night. Because if the, either of those guys are in the NFC North, then lot lot changes. Ball game. <laughs> Caleb Williams on that turf in Minnesota, man, is nightmares. It's absolute nightmare. And I just wonder, will Kirk Cousins be brought up in trade conversations? I don't know. They might ride it out. But I think to tank, they need a worse quarterback than Kirk Cousins. You know, that's just a personal opinion of, of mine. So when you have a bad division, I don't think anyone should be disparaging the Packers. I don't think you need to hype them up and say, yeah, they're a Super Bowl contender. They're not going to miss a beat. 
there are going to be some tough times. We're going to need to practice patience with this team. But I still think that it's one of those things that is not just written, written in stone that the Packers are going to be bad just because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Packers were an 8-9 football team last year. They weren't that good with Aaron Rodgers last, last season. Now, should they have been better? Could they have been better with Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers had taken time off to heal his thumb? I have no idea. We, we will never know that answer. But a part of me believes they might have been. A part of me thinks that they might have had a better shot if Aaron Rodgers had just rested his thumb for a couple weeks. He played against the Jets when that thumb was clearly affecting him. And if Rodgers doesn't play that game, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe the Packers get, you know, keep it together for a little bit and things change in this season. But we'll never know. And to me, that's the selfish part of Rodgers that I hated about last year. And I know why he did it. I know he wanted to show to everybody in that organization that he was a gamer, but also he didn't want to give Jordan Love the opportunity to outshine him. Because I think in his twisted, fucked up world, Rodgers wondered if he would get benched. Remember, there were rumors, and I, I didn't really buy into them, but maybe I should have. And, and I just don't like, I shouldn't say I don't like them, but I, I have trouble sometimes with like Ty Dunn and Bob McGinn's reporting because it's so anti Rodgers. But they had reported that if, you know, Rodgers had stayed on the team, that Rodgers might be the backup to Jordan Love. That was something that was said in a Bob McGinn article, which I, again, find very hard to believe. But maybe Rodgers believed that himself. And maybe that's why Rodgers didn't come out. And so while this topic wasn't necessarily mean to be a referendum on 2022, I think it needs to be factored into the conversation. Packers were average with Aaron Rodgers. So maybe guys like Cowherd expect more of a drop-off with Jordan Love. But I think it goes back to we have no idea what this team's going to look like. We have no clue. This is, to me, one of the more fun Packer seasons of the last 25 years. It, it really is. Because it could go in a hundred different directions. And we don't, it, it's a brand new world. And, and we're going to get to live it. And that's so fun, in my opinion. I don't know, maybe some of you don't see the same. Maybe some of you wish that it was Aaron Rodgers' last hurrah. But we're not doing the same shit over and over again. And unlike 20, 2008, to me, this team is built to win. 2007, where Brett Favre leftovers trying to make one more run at a Super Bowl. That 2008 team was not equipped to be a championship roster. This team isn't necessarily equipped at a championship level, but they're a playoff roster. And I think they have a lot of young guys who are very confident in themselves and believe they can win without Aaron. And I believe there is a chip on their shoulder. You can disparage Green Bay. You can tell, tell us that Green Bay is not going to be the same team they were without Aaron Rodgers. And you can write off the Packers if you want. But I think you have to consider that this team is hungry. This team wants to prove something. There is a nobody believes in us mentality with the Green Bay Packers. We've seen it happen before. Bill Simmons, one of my favorites, 
first of all, has that nobody believes in us. I mean, the guy is, is everything. I mean, he's, you know, that's why he's, you know, Uncle Bill, the GOAT, and just, you know, an inspiration. But he has the Ewing Theory. And for those who are unfamiliar or not Bill Simmons fans, the Ewing Theory was basically that the New York Knicks always seemed to play better without Patrick Ewing. And when Patrick Ewing was off the court, the Knicks seemed to thrive. And it's been adapted in a, a variety of ways and a variety of, of different sports. The Packers are a prime Ewing Theory candidate. And we saw it with Seattle last year. That's the other part. That's, that's to me, another reason why I feel like they're missing the mark and not necessarily giving us the love. No pun intended. Seattle basically were at the studs. It's like, oh, they lost Russell Wilson. They're going to be terrible. They have Geno Smith at quarterback. And, and like, just a quick side note, like Geno Smith before last year, for all intents and purposes, was a washed-up quarterback. Nobody thought dick of Geno Smith. And then Geno Smith turns around, has this awesome Monday night game, lights up the Broncos on, on Monday night football. You know, has the, they never wrote me back. The Seahawks take a step back. He actually didn't light up the Broncos. That was an ugly game now that, I, now that I remember it. But still, like, the Seahawks were a playoff team last year. The Seahawks made the playoffs. Why can't the Green Bay Packers do the exact same? Why are we just immediately writing off, you know, the Packers because Aaron Rodgers isn't there? Didn't we learn our lesson from this Seattle season? Apparently not. At least not Colin Coward. But I don't think Colin Coward is going to be the only one. I think Stephen A. Smith is going to have a similar take. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the NFL Live guys, maybe Orlovsky, although he kind of likes Jordan Love, but maybe Marcus Spears. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I could definitely see Chris Sims being a Packer hater. You know Florio is going to come with the Packer hate. There will be more and more people that are against Green Bay. It's easy to say that Green Bay could take a step back, but also remember, they're playing the NFC South. The division is bad, as we already noted, and the NFC is wide open. Philadelphia, probably the contender to get to the Super Bowl. San Francisco, right there too. I think they're in a tier of their own. And I think the tier is a dramatic drop-off in the second tier. Will the Packers get to that level? Potentially. Could they? Yeah. I don't know yet. But I, I definitely think that there, there's enough talent there. They have a good running game. They have a good offensive line. They have a talented quarterback, we think. They have two, two wide receivers that seem dynamic. They added more in the draft. They have two new tight ends who could be really solid for this team. You have a defense that's young and hungry and full first rounders that's out of excuses that their back should be against the wall day fucking one of training camp to the start of the season. And their coach is immediately on the hot seat. A good special teams coach with a first team special teams returner. All of these things equate to a potential run for Green Bay. I don't think that anybody should be sleeping on this Packers team, but there will be national media members that choose to and will remind them of their idiocracy come October or November. All right, let's move to the NBA. Uh, the NBA Finals happened, finished on Monday night. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are your NBA champions. They win in five games. Denver finishes out 
the NBA playoffs on a 10-1 run. Uh, pretty crazy. Uh, Denver, at times, looked like the best team in the NBA. Um, I, I think it's not a surprise that the Nuggets are there. I think there will be some that nitpick the Nuggets' run to the finals, right? Because they played the Lakers, who were the seventh seed in the Western Conference Finals. They played a Suns team where Chris Paul goes down halfway through it. They played Minnesota Timberwolves, who weren't very good. And they play an eight-seeded Miami Heat team. First of all, as I tell you guys all the time, winning championships is really hard, okay? So I don't really care about any sort of luck conversation. Nuggets went out there and won it, and they were dominant while doing it. This was a great, great run to a championship. Nikola Jokic averaged more points, more rebounds, more assists, than anyone else that played in the playoffs. That has never been done before. Nikola Jokic has got flowers for me already. I've talked about it, I think, on a few shows, how I, I've grown to respect him, and some of my annoyance for Jokic was more the fanboys around him. But Jokic has my love, has my adoration. I am all in on it. I was never out on it officially. I just didn't like that everyone was waiting their turn to jerk him off. So I believe in Jokic. And this is a great step forward for the league, right? Two of your biggest superstars, Giannis and Jokic, have rings already. That is a great foundation for years to come. You still have guys chasing it, whether it's Jason Tatum, whether it's Jimmy Butler, who's in the older generation, whether it's Joel Embiid. You have guys that are still hungry, Devin Booker. You have guys that are still hungry for titles. And that's a lot of fun too. It might have been a boring finals. It might have Denver might have bummed you out with their dominance, but it shouldn't have. There were there were some good games sprinkled in there. Game three, uh, Lakers, Denver. Uh, game four was was pretty. Uh, game three was as good, but game four certainly solid. Uh, I think game one of Lakers of Lakers Nuggets was great. Uh, I'm trying to think other. Yeah, the game two, which the Nuggets lost. Uh, game five tonight was excellent. Uh, you know there there were good Nuggets Suns was actually a sneaky good series before the blowout happened. It was a dominating run by Denver, and they deserve a lot of credit for for this run. Now I haven't listened to Bill Simmons yet about Jamal Murray and potentially the 2021 Finals. I will go back and listen to that. Probably a topic for Mitch and I to discuss uh, later this week. So I'll, I'll, I will save that. But I will say on the whole Denver dynasty conversation. Because a lot of people believe that Denver now has what it takes to run through the NBA for years to come. Dynasties do happen in the NBA. They happen more often than any other sport. But I am very hesitant to believe that Denver will have a dynasty. I'm not trying to get in front of it. I'm not trying to be hot take guy, Monday morning quarterback. It's more just understanding what the Bucs went through in 2022. Bucks had a target on their back every fucking night out. Denver's going to have the same thing. And guess what? The guys who just won a championship are going to be exhausted because their summer was spent partying. Their summer was spent doing new endorsement deals. Their summer is spent not really focusing on basketball, not focusing on winning a championship because they have already won one. 
it's extremely hard to go back to back in any sport. And the NBA has get, gotten increasingly harder. The last time we had it was 2017 and 2018. Now, Denver maybe figures it out as the season goes on and they come on like a freight train, but still there's a lot of talent in the Western Conference. Memphis should get better barring what happens with the Jaw situation. Sacramento is going to be a year older. I don't think Golden State's exactly going away. Houston looks like they want to be part of the conversation of NBA good teams, maybe not great teams. Dallas, there. Phoenix is going to be better. Uh, You have the Lakers who are going to try to duplicate their success, but be even better. You have New Orleans, who was a really talented team for half of the season and then kind of fell apart. And that's not even talking about the Eastern Conference. That's not even talking about what Boston might be, what Philadelphia might be, what Milwaukee, obviously, might be. And I just think it's way too soon to just assume like, all right, yeah, this team is built for a dynasty. Mike Malone started talking. I, I couldn't believe Mike Malone was talking about that already. I couldn't believe they're already like, all right, like it's on to the next one. I understand that mentality. I understand that you just don't want to be satisfied. It seems like that's kind of Mike Malone's attitude. But I will tell you, that might wear on some guys, especially after winning a championship. Maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe Denver will be all systems go again. But we rarely see a champion have the, a defense where they have another 60 wins. Doesn't happen too often. Happened in the watered down Jordan era. And, you know, this is another topic for another time, but I don't think Jordan would have six titles in this generation of of basketball. I really don't. Uh, It was just, the NBA wasn't that good in the early 90s. Just straight up. It was not as good as it is right now in terms of talent. And now they had a very talented player in Jordan, but that's, okay. So that's, that, and I know that's probably going to set off some people and I might get some text on that part, but it's true. And I just think that dynasties are extremely hard these days. And so it was crazy to me that Denver was talking that way. Uh, but again, very impressed with Denver putting the final stake in the zombie heat. Uh, I thought they did a great job at Jimmy Butler. I thought they, Jokic, you know, took Bam to school, I think. While Bam had a pretty good offensive uh, finals, I think there's a lot of questions for him about his defense, which was supposed to be you know, one of his strong points. I don't know if Bam can actually say that anymore uh, after what Jokic did to him. Jamal Murray, I think, has taken a step up in terms of superstardom. I think it, that will probably be the biggest winner out of all this is Jamal Murray. I think he's really going to elevate and you're going to see you know, Jamal Murray, kind of his star grow. I would not call Jamal Murray a superstar, but he's certainly a star in this NBA. And you think of the sliding doors moment, Denver, you know, tried to get Drew Holiday. And I would imagine Jamal Murray would have been in that deal. Now, Drew won a title with the Bucks. I don't know if he would have won a title with Denver, but you just wonder, you know, would Drew Holiday have provided that same production that Jamal Murray did. I think Jamal Murray was in the deal. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure though. So maybe not. Uh, so I might. I might be wrong there. But as for the Giannis Jokic potential matchup in the, in the finals, I think that's going to be the one that we're chasing after now. 
Uh, we've talked about this, uh, I think, in more of a tapping the keg sense when Mitch and I have, have got on the horn together. But there, for the longest time, it was LeBron and Giannis. We wanted to see LeBron and Giannis. We thought that maybe we'd get it in 2020, right, uh, before COVID, before everything else, that that was the matchup that we were dying to see. I still think we would all take a LeBron Giannis. I said for a while it was Giannis Luka. I thought Luka, to me, would have been the one to break through. Little did I know it was Jokic. And I, I will be honest, I disrespected Jokic a little bit. I wouldn't say that I was unfamiliar with his game like the Shaq meme, but I, I just, I, I thought Luka would be the one that actually would break through first. And I thought the Giannis Luka had a chance to be the bird magic of this generation. But it turns out it's Giannis Jokic. And that would be the one that I think everybody, every basketball fan would have, you know, front row seats for. And I do, don't think the Bucs would have been that successful against this Nuggets team. I think Giannis could have won you one or two games. But Jamal Murray, it, you know, what Drew Holiday would have had to guard Jamal Murray the entire game, it would have been made Drew a, a non-factor offensively. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. would have went to work on Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton could not have kept up with Michael Porter. Now, I do wonder if the craftiness of the Bucks would have frustrated the Nuggets a little bit more. And the Nuggets, you know, the coaching matchup, Malone versus Budenholzer, I don't know. May, you know, Malone did a great job against Spolstra. Like, he countered everything for Spolstra. So I can't necessarily say that, oh, yeah, Bud would have handled Mike Malone. I think that would have been an issue. I think Bruce Brown... You know, has been a pest against the Bucs in the past. I think he would have been. The the wing difference, I think, on Denver versus Milwaukee would probably be the difference. I also don't know. I mean, Giannis, I guess, would guard Aaron Gordon. But how? what what do you do with Aaron Gordon? Uh, I, I just have a lot of questions about how the Bucs would have handled Denver. I think there are advantages, disadvantages. And I hope to see it next year. I, I, would, I would love a Giannis-Jokic matchup. I think that that is the last like thing we're missing. Like the final boss of the 2020 NBAs is we really, we I, we had, I guess we had Curry Tatum last year, but we have to have two guys from like the same era, right? And in Giannis, and like similar positions, right? I'm trying to think what would be a good example of this. I mean, if it was like Boston Phoenix and you had Curry versus Tatum, or I'm sorry, Booker versus Tatum, I think that would be, you know, in the sort of realm of, of what I'm talking about. I think that if you had Giannis Jokic, obviously, Jokic Embiid, uh, Luka Tatum would be another one where you could put that in the mix. Um, Trying to think of other, I mean, yeah, Darius, you know, Donovan Mitchell versus any of these guys, if Cleveland were to take a step. Obviously, John Morant, but I feel like that's a almost a ring down of, of who we're talking about, and who knows, obviously, with Jaws' situation at hand. But it'll be very interesting to see how teams try to figure out Denver. Someone will figure out Jokic and at least try, and it hasn't necessarily been done yet. And I'm very curious to see what that might look like because I do think it's coming. And I don't believe in a Denver dynasty and it's not anything discrediting Denver or shitting, shitting on Denver. It's more just the modern NBA. But it was a good NBA season. If you if you were a Nuggets fan, I, for a Bucks fan, 
this NBA season was interesting, to say the least. I think we started it thinking that it was this revenge tour for the Bucks. The Bucks couldn't stay healthy right out the gate, did not have Middleton. We, some of us worried, Mitch uh, specifically, worried if the Bucks would ever get healthy this season. That was prophetic uh, from my guy, Mitch. And the Bucks had that fun run of like 16 straight games. It was like, oh, here we go. You, you got the one seed. They captured a one seed from you know Boston, Philadelphia, and others. And if it's not for a 15-1 run by the Heat in the third in the fourth quarter against Chicago, you're playing the Bulls in the first round. Who knows if Giannis gets hurt? Who knows you know what happens in that series? I don't think the Bucks lose that series. And I don't think they lose to the Knicks. Well, they've lost to the Joe Maz Celtics, maybe. But it's totally different. And you'll have that what if. Just like we have the Middleton what if. I think this what if to me is a little, holds a little less water because it happened in round one. And it's another year without Antetokounmpo winning a championship. And now it will be a three-year layoff unless the Bucks are holding the Larry O'Brien trophy in in June and they get their second title in three years, which would be great. And that would be exactly what you want. And that would be building the legacy of Antetokounmpo. But there is a lot, as just mentioned, that stands in the way. So we obviously will talk a lot about the NBA because you have the draft, you have free agency, which is always wild. So we won't be just completely punting on the NBA. But I do look forward to previewing next Bucks season. I'll just be curious to see what the roster actually looks like. Moving back to the NFL, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, I just think we're starting to see why I thought fans didn't understand maybe the impact of Rodgers on another team. I said this a few times throughout the, the year. And I said, you know, I don't think really people are conceptualizing that Aaron Rodgers is going to be everywhere. That there is not going to be enough Aaron Rodgers to fill anyone's cup in the content world. Aaron Rodgers is at the the Tonys, great. Aaron Rodgers is out with his boys in New York City, great. Albert Greer wrote a very long Aaron Rodgers piece. Aaron Rodgers saying this is the most fun he's had in six years. And Packer fans being mad about it. Guys, we're not going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I had a buddy who wanted me to do stuff on Aaron Rodgers at Taylor Swift. And I said, I'm not fucking doing that. And I was going to have an angle about we need to stop caring about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm kind of glad I didn't do that segment because I I think the topic is we're just going to have to endure Aaron Rodgers and we're going to have to you know understand that there is no getting away from it this is going to be the topic of the NFL season heading into the 2023 season whether we like it or not so I guess my advice to Packer fans specifically is don't jump on everything that is said Aaron Rodgers talking about how he's had a really good time in New York. Of course he is. The dude is living it up. He's beating Mallory Eden's cheeks on a regular basis, probably staying with her. 
He's going out to all these different restaurants and things that Green Bay wishes they had. New York is one of the best cities in the summer. It, you know, it, it's not one of those cities that sucks in the summer. It's notably a great summer city. And he's getting to, he got his wish. This is everything Aaron Rodgers wanted. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't had that in a long time. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers, it's the Jordan Love thing, or it's the Brian Gutekunst thing, or it's a little bit of both. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers seems happy for the first time since, honestly, maybe, I mean, he was happy during some of the late stages of Green Bay, but I'm talking like, ultimately like flushed out, like not forced happiness. I think, you know, he was really happy after, you know, 2020, you know, after the MVP season, then you had all the lingering COVID stuff and all that weirdness. And so I really don't know. And I was trying to put like, then he had the McCarthy drama prior to that and the new coach. So maybe, you know, new coach LaFleur 2019, uh, potentially like 2016, 2015, maybe that was the last time Rogers really had that happiness because he still he still has dogs. He still had Nelson. He still had Cobb. He still knew a lot of the roster. It didn't change on Aaron Rodgers. I would love to ask him that question. You know, obviously, you know, I think he said six years, right? Uh, so that would that timeline would actually line up. That'd be 2016 or 2017. Yeah, 2016, 2017, right? You know, I mean, the 2017 season. He broke his collarbone. I mean, and everyone was still there. It's actually the season when people realized Jordy Nelson was kind of washed because Jordy Nelson didn't do anything with Brett Hundley and the parade of idiots we had at quarterback. And Devontae Adams went off. And so it was like, well, Devontae doesn't need Aaron Rodgers to be great, but Jordy Nelson does. And that's why I'm, I'm very like bullish on the fact that Jordy Nelson's kind of Packer career is a little overrated because it's all Aaron Rodgers based. And, and we just have to acknowledge that. Like, you know, he didn't do it with multiple quarterbacks. He did it with just Aaron Rodgers. And so to kind of round it out, it's like, yeah, of course Rodgers is going to say these things. And we can't just overreact to everything. We got to just take it, okay? You got to understand that this is now what we're going to deal with. Yeah, the NFL kind of goes in a quiet period here after this mandatory minicamp. And we won't necessarily hear a ton. There'll be a lot of weird topics thrown out in the next you know, few weeks. There'll be a lot of NBA draft, NBA free agency stuff happening. You know, Maybe there's a NFL trade. Maybe there's a big NFL signing like a DeAndre Hopkins, if you will. But there will be a lot of Rodgers topics. And you're just going to have to embrace it. And Rodgers isn't going to stop having fun. Nor should he. He should enjoy his time in New York. He should enjoy this new chapter of his life. And we shouldn't shame him for that or we shouldn't be upset at him for that. But I do find it interesting if we want to be critical of anything that Aaron Rodgers is wanting to run older Mike McCarthy stuff, older Paul Hackett stuff, and not necessarily the stuff that won him an MVP in 2020 and 2021 when he kind of fully went all in on what Matt LaFleur wanted him to do. That's odd to me. It's also, you know, unicorns and rainbows right now. Everybody's, you know, not in the throes of the season. Everybody's just, 
in the honeymoon stage of what the Jets are. And when the first loss happens against Buffalo, which I think it will, and I know that sounds like a fucking hater. I, I, I know. It's going to be a lot different. Ain't, it ain't no fun when the Rabbits got the gun. And all of the niceties, all of the, the high praise for Rodgers will suddenly start to, there will suddenly start being more questions than answers. Let's just put it that way. Now maybe Rodgers lights the fucking world on fire and he's great in that Buffalo game and the hype train goes to a hundred trillion. But I, I just know that this is, this is gonna be the toughest time for Packer fans. The next toughest will be when the Jets get hot and the Jets look like a Super Bowl contender. People are talking about him as a Super Bowl contender, if that does happen. So you have to take the good with the bad. I don't think there's anything to be kind of jaded about. I think you just have to embrace the fact that this is the new normal. And I told and I and I said this a while ago. I said, look, I don't think you understand how much Aaron Rodgers Jets content and Aaron Rodgers New York content is going to get forced down and how much you're gonna to have to deal with that. So just food for thought there. Um, and know that escaping Aaron, you can't escape Aaron Rodgers and you can only hope to contain him. All right, wrapping up today's show, let's just do a little bit on the Brewers uh, twins matchup since I won't be potting tomorrow unless Mitch has to do tabbing the keg tomorrow. So if we do do tabbing the keg, then we obviously will talk a little Brewers. Brewers are in Minnesota for a two game series with the twins. They do this weird thing uh, with the like kind of the quote unquote rivals you play every year. Uh, this was before the balanced schedule that they're they're basically two two game series that are home and homes. And the Brewers will host Minnesota. I think not even until like September. Uh, I, I personally find these series very weird. It's probably one of my biggest annoyance quirks of what the the Major League Baseball does. Uh, but you have a great pitching matchup with Corbin Burns and Pablo Lopez tonight. Corbin Burns will try to be the stopper for the Milwaukee Brewers. He has been pitching pretty solid. Um, I, I felt like he got a very generous strike zone. So part of the reason why Corbin Burns dominated against the Baltimore Orioles, but in his last 30 days, he's at a 3.38 ERA uh, with 36 strikeouts and 10 walks. Batters are batting 193 against him. The Twins have struggled against Burns as well, so there, there is that, and so that Brewers have that going for them as well. Pablo Lopez had a good start against Tampa Bay. Uh, his first good one in a long time. He had really has struggled, um, which... For Twins fans, has to make you a little nervous uh, with Luis Urias just tearing it up for the fish, uh, who you traded Pablo for, and Pablo has not met expectations. Uh, he has been their one sort of red flag in, in their starting rotation. He has a 6-1-1 ERA at home uh, with 24 earned runs, only four home runs given up, so he's just giving up a lot of contact. So hopefully... The Brewers can take advantage of that. You'd, lo you'd love for them to sort of continue on that pathway uh, with Lopez. Uh, the Brewers don't have great numbers against him. Uh, they're five for 35, 37 as a team. Uh, the only guy who has some decent numbers against Lopez is, is Christian Yelich. Then you have a day game. So for those working at home, you get a little bit of a treat. 
be a nice, it's a nice day. It's a nice uh, stay at home week uh, because you get the Brewers at 1210 uh, on Wednesday and then you have US Open coverage on Thursday and Friday. So you got TV to watch all week basically. Uh, you just gotta get through tomorrow and you got TV for everything. And that's Colin Ray and Bailey Ober. Colin Ray gets another start. The Javon Carter of baseball. We don't, we're not sure how he does it, but he keeps doing it. He's been really good. Uh, his last three starts have been better than I think what, you, what the stats say. Uh, he, you know, the San Francisco start, he gave up a three-run homer, so it makes it look a lot worse. That Cincinnati start, the weather was hot, the ball was jumping off, but Ray managed it, and Ray played with a lead. He's been getting some great run support. Um, he had a 7-1 lead in that San Francisco game. He had a 10-1 lead in the Cincinnati game. He had, he had a 3-0 lead for his you know five innings against Baltimore. Now, granted, the Brewers lost the game 6-3. But yeah, Colin Ray has been, been really solid. So we'll see if he can keep it up uh, in Minnesota. And then for the Twins, you have Bailey Ober, who is a 6'9". 260 pitcher, big old hoss uh, on on the mound. Ober has not necessarily had a awesome sort of last few games. Uh, he's he's struggled uh, struggled against Tampa Bay Rays. He also struggled against. Let's see here. He uh, is in San Francisco, so he's kind of been up and down here. Uh, it seems like a lot of low scoring games uh, when Bailey Ober is around, uh, but the Brewers really do not have any familiarity uh, with Ober. Uh, the Twins are coming off a brutal loss themselves on Sunday. They're up 6-1, to one, ready to sweep the Toronto Blue Jays, and then the Blue Jays came all the way back and beat them 7-6. to six. So maybe we'll see, we'll see which team, you know, kind of can lick their wounds. And both offensive have been pretty anemic. So can the Brewers, you know, find it? Uh, in Minnesota and kind of rebound uh, from their bad series against Oakland. I will point out uh, Oakland beat Tampa tonight. Uh, they've won out on six straight games. It's very possible that Tampa Bay had a bunch of young guys who had zero idea how to play Major League Baseball, and they're all kind of figuring it out. And again, shitty, shitty luck for the Milwaukee Brewers. If Tampa were to, if the, and also too, I think the Oakland, the Oakland A's might see it as an opportunity to you know, make a little slight statement, right? You beat, took two out of three from the Braves. That was cool. That's a cool accomplishment. You can hang your hat on that at the end of the year. You know you're not going to make the playoffs. You know you might be the worst team in baseball, but you can hang your hat on that you took two out of three from the Braves. You can hang your hat on a Brewer sweep who were leading the division, who are still in the wild card. You can hang your hat on beating the Rays two out of three times. Not saying they will. Or at least winning one game, right? Uh, if the Rays are the eventual World Series champs or in the World Series, I know they got swept by them earlier in the year, but that's kind of what I mean. Like you can have that sort of crowning achievement, if you will. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I break up the A's, man. Uh, just, just worth worth noting out there. All right, that does it for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it today. Uh, I will be back Thursday uh, with Mitch. Um, if for some reason Mitch needs to tape tonight, I have bad uh, co-host. I did not reach out to him. Uh, Mitch and I will get back in the saddle tonight, and then I'll take off Thursday and be back with you Friday. So that's that's how it'll go. Got to do a Friday show. Always got to do a Friday show. Also, too, uh, worth noting, I didn't even tell you guys to subscribe. I was going to do it halfway through the show. I didn't even do that. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Uh, wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Uh, make sure you're dropping this in the group chat if you enjoyed it. Um, the other thing I was going to say is it's summer. Uh, we're always looking for topics. We're always looking for segments. If you have any ideas, uh, throw them my way. I'd be happy to uh, explore them if I feel like there is some depth to it. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Uh, and we'll be back uh, probably Thursday. Uh, so I'll see you then. All right. Take care. Bye.